0: Hello, it's the Leafs this week on the Leafs Nation feed. Brent Cunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. Now, this is the big Leafs make a trade edition of the show. Gordo, you know, we were, uh, I was about to say we were hot to trot, but, you know, we were breaking down a Leafs loss, so the mood was what it was. And then we get this trade right at the end of our postgame show last night. We'll get into the trade in a second, but first I say to you, how you doing on this Sunday?
1: Well, I'm good, I'm good. And I'll tell you, with the trade brand, you know, so we hear the Elliot Friedman-Jeff Merrick uh, commercial, which we've only heard 8 million times. <laughs> <That's> and <right. laughs> um, I agree with promoting the 32 podcast is excellent, but uh, uh, the Marner-Matthews trade thing, and Jeff kind of somewhat falling for it, um, now can be replaced because Elliot did report uh, Ilya Labushkin was not dressing <laughs> last night for Arizona and words that, uh, you know, thoughts that maybe Toronto was in the mix. So that would be a better name for Friedman to use uh, Labushkin. That just goes, you know, synonymous with a nondescript trade. So that's my suggestion. How about that? Thirty-two thoughts producer Emil
0: Delich, get on it. We we need you to get get that new one. We love promoting the pod. I'll do it again right now. 32 thoughts wherever it is you find your podcast. But yes, I uh, I would love uh, love to see a little switch up there uh, if you missed it. I mean, I don't know how you could have. There was a trade in Leafs land. It's always the biggest news in hockey. Uh, the Leafs have acquired Ryan Dezingle and defenseman Ilya Labushkin from Arizona in exchange for Nick Ritchie and the Coyotes choice of the Leafs third rounder in 23 or a second rounder in 25. Uh, the the picks there, that's a bit of a sweetener, I think for, for taking on the second year of Ritchie contract um Kyle Dubas made a lot of bets this offseason he bet on Andre Kasha he bet on David Camp he bet on Michael Bunting and Nick Ritchie was part of that and you know I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he hit on Richie, but I think the fact that he was able to get out of the one kind of mistake he made on those bets I think that's a good piece of work by Dubas never mind what, what he brought in in the trade
1: yeah so well I mean that's big picture, and that 's certainly a positive you 're hundred percent correct about that that uh, you know in camp and cash and particularly bunting uh even though Ritchie was the one that was the most heralded um a great great work by the leaf management team but let let 's talk about the present though, so okay, Ritchie was always going to be a problem, his contract moving. The more important thing for the present, Brent is is this the kind of defenseman? That can be a core for type D, give you depth, uh, give you, and uh, I use Zach Bogosian as an example. I mean, that kind of steadiness. And is that, I mean, it's funny, Ilya could had been quite kind of quiet because Chikorin's been the big, sexy name out of Arizona. The Leafs were never going to be able to, um, you know, pay whatever it's going to take to get Chikrin. But, you know, there's other names that have been out there whether Justin Braun out of Philadelphia, for example. So, this is where it comes down to your pro scouting. Labushkin's a guy that was never drafted. He's going to turn 28 next month. He'll be a UFA at the end of the year. I mean, really, if Nikita Zaitsov and Igor Ozaganov, or as Mark Savard called him, Igor Ozagedov had worked out, you know, these kind of mature Russian players had worked out like, say, Mikheyev has up front Um, that would have been the hope instead this is a guy that came over under similar circumstances as a late bloomer undrafted plays played fourth year playing for arizona um at for minus six that's not a bad plus minus playing for the arizona coyotes he's played decent amount of minutes he's got one goal in his nhl career so he has been a d which is what they need a defensive style defenseman and you know that's the big thing because he'll be a ufa again this year so if, hypothetically, it doesn't work out, I'm giving worst-case scenario, and he's a UFA, goes somewhere else, and you've given up. I, I, if I'm Arizona, I'm going to wait and take the second-round pick in 2025, in my for opinion. Sure. You know, so you've given up a second-round pick. Um, that's a lot for someone that didn't work out. The best-case scenario is you've addressed a need right now, and is that a difference-maker? And finally, finally, finally having some playoff success. Yeah, a uh, right shot D Who who is a large mountain
0: of a man. Where, where have we heard that description? Uh, looking for a defenseman that fits that in this market. Man, You mentioned the plus minus there. And look, I know plus minus is what it is. It's far from a perfect stat, but that number does jump out to me. He's minus six. He's been paired up with Chickren all year. Chikrin's minus 28. Uh, I think that has to bode a little bit well for him. I mean, I'm sure Chikrin's playing more minutes, but the fact that they're paired together and there's that big a discrepancy, you know, maybe power play time ekes into something like that, but I don't know. That's just uh, that, uh just that's the thing that most jumps out to me. You mentioned that, and it's it's very odd to have two defense partners with that kind of big uh, sch- uh, chasm between their plus-minus numbers.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's funny, because Chickrin's 28 jumps out. I think for Matt was minus 17. What then I saw after that as much... As I'm applauding Labushkin's number minus six, the plus-minus is surprisingly not so bad for the Arizona Coyotes. I don't quite understand how that happens. Does that mean they're playing a lot closer games than we it's think? Solve uh, well, yeah, but but also are your sc- are they getting so many power play goals scored against them, which could you know would probably factors in as well. I mean, to be honest, the plus minuses I thought would be more like Chickern's was, but yeah, you know, you go by that stat. It's it's um, I I don't like it. It's an arbitrary stat. It's uh, you know it it depends how you apply the visual test, the eye test, and and again I go back to you've got pro scouts every team does we see them all the time at Scotiabank Arena where it's kind of a hub for pro scouts in Toronto it always has been cuz so many are located in the greater Toronto area and you know this this is this is what it this is what it comes down to nick felino you know last year wasn't so much it's kind of like we all we all knew You know, he he was a big fish to get as fans. We were way, way, way more familiar with what, you know, had he been healthy, arguably, he would have been able to brought to the table where this this is one that's a little bit quieter and under the radar if you're, you know, following the Leafs. It's only so much you can follow of the other 31 teams. Yeah, I think, I think the other thing about this, too, is it just gives them more options
0: on that right side. I mean, look, the top pair is set. Uh, they had a rough night last night in, in Riley and Brody. That's not going anywhere. That's going to be your top pair heading into the playoffs, and as long as you're in the playoffs, that's what it's going to look like. But then beneath that, the defense has been kind of completely in flux all season long. We know Keefe recently threw Sandine up on the right side to play with Muzzin. You know, I think that's going to be the interesting thing is kind of watching those players shake out. You have Timothy Lilliger, and you have Justin Hall, and now you have Ilya Labushkin, who are kind of you know fighting it out for those those second and third pair right shot minutes. You throw Travis Dermott into the mix with Rasmus Sandin on, on that left side, and uh, you know a crowded blue line isn't isn't a problem. But I I do wonder how they're going to kind of roll these bodies. We know injuries have a way of kind of sorting these things out, and wouldn't wish that on anybody. But uh, you know Sheldon Keefe has done a good job, I think, mixing and matching the blue liners this year, and this is a good problem to have. But it's it's one more thing to do, and I'm I'm curious to see how he uses Labushkin.
1: Yeah, boy, you, you mentioned injuries could solve the problem as far as who you pair, but certainly does not solve the problem uh, for the Maple Leafs depth-wise on D. And uh, uh, yeah, you know, Travis Dermott. That's a funny one there. You know, I just kind of thought uh, was hoping more that he'd be knocking on the door f- to be in the top four, and you know, it appears that you know that isn't the plan right now. Rasmus Sandine has been. Uh, I think the one positive, how he's developed, you know, Lilligren remains a project. And then you got the indifferent season of uh, of Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin, which you weren't expecting on both sides. And I think sometimes because we seem to be really scrutinizing the D now, uh, unfairly, you know, you can go overboard about having a bad game or not. But there's no question their body of work, uh, especially early on you know, wasn't what it had been the past few years. So there, they, it's a defense in flux. I mean, it really is. And when the Pittsburgh Penguins were here on Thursday, uh, I just found it very similar. You know, they got so much firepower up front. They've got depth up front. The Leafs have all of a sudden, or not all of a sudden, well, I guess so, with the new ones, really added depth up front with the new acquisitions besides Nick Ritchie. And then on D, you know, it's it's questionable. and that, and, and that's why... You know, teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning. You got Vasilevsky in goal. You got all that firepower up front. But you forget not only do they have Victor Hedman, but they have really good depth on D. So uh, that that's that's another caveat that they play that most teams don't have.
0: Yeah, I mean the the Lightning are always a special animal. Uh, you know, they have a Hart Trophy winner, they have the last guy to score sixty, they have arguably the best defenseman on the planet. Oh, and p- possibly the best goalie uh, as, as well in Vashilevsky there. So yeah, uh, you'd all you'd all love to line your team up, team up to look the way uh, the Lightning do. I think the Leafs are are working towards it, but yeah, depth defenseman never ever a problem. I I wouldn't be surprised if between now and then there's another shoe to drop. I'm not saying you need to move defensemen, but but I think there's a world where you can potentially move a cap hit. I'll uh, move to Zingle and that allows you to kind of let's let's just, you know, speculating here. I don't know. Justin Hall's two million bucks plus Ryan Dzingel's uh one point three. All of a sudden you got three point three to play around with. So I, I, I think those are all things that will be looked at uh, as we approach the deadline. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to leave Scott out ahead of it. Uh, did a little piece of business uh, to, to not have to be sitting and waiting. But like you said, Gord, you, you pointed this out on the postgame show last night, uh, real league of of haves and and have nots and you know it could be a a crowded seller's market out there so you know I I like that they get out and do this deal now but I I could see a world where there's a lot more defensemen kind of moving around close to the deadline and I'm not saying the Leafs are going to go out and do something but I don't necessarily think they're done either
1: Well, around the deadline and to the point, yeah, because, and of course, we're looking forward to being part of the trade deadline coverage on on the fan. Always an exciting day. It's quite often not as exciting as people anticipated, but it's always an exciting day. And uh, usually... If memory serves correct, which mine's pretty good actually for my age, that uh, uh, as you get close to the deadline, all of a sudden three teams in the previous two weeks have have all gone from sellers to the in between, you know, oh, and so there's fewer, the dreaded and fewer in between. Yes, so there's fewer and fewer cut and dried sellers. I don't. I don't. This time, there's going to be a lot of cut and dried sellers. And to your point, Brent, what you're talking about is that I can see just saying, okay, look, we're we're going to, you know, John Smith is a guy expiring contract. He's a D making whatever. I mean, we're not going to sign him. I mean, anything we get at this point uh, will be, you know, what we want will be a bonus. And probably we thought we could get, say, a a third-round pick, and that ain't happening. So maybe there's a fourth or a fifth out there whatever that a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs that's hard pressed and again uh, i don't i don't know what else again so you're giving up yet another draft pick i don't know what year you go to 2028 20, as far as you start dibbling. but anyway that's the that's the price out there so that's what i could see for another you hopefully hopefully competent nhl standard body
0: Yeah. The Leafs, the Leafs may go down the OHL route and be trading uh, picks of kids who are not yet born, but uh, Hey, uh, when you're in a window to win, uh, you you have to push the chips in uh, to a, to a certain degree there. Uh, Let's just take a a look back uh, at at the week. Uh, We'll kind of start with the 6-2 win in in Seattle. That was as sleepy a game. As I can remember, the Leafs took care of business handily. Uh, You, you, anytime you go to a new building, it's always fun, but uh, I I don't, I don't know that that was the, uh, the most remarkable or, or memorable uh, game against the uh, the Kraken.
1: Yeah, no, but, you know, 100% correct, 100% correct. Now, again, we want to focus on this week, but I did miss last Sunday, and, of course, uh, a, a, a loss where Calgary seemed to show they're a better team than the Maple Leafs in that one, and then Vancouver edging Toronto 3 to 2. So it was it was one of those again there's the The team uh, needed
0: you back, Gord. That's what it was. Well, the team I think needed that, you.
1: Uh, well, no, Justin Cuthbert did a great job whatever just but uh yeah, it was it, I watched from afar, but uh yeah, they needed that game against Seattle. Like you need you, you know you don't I I don't even think there's a losing streak that can put them in any kind of peril or not make in the playoffs, which also isn't really a good thing, but uh they needed that against Seattle and then you get now uh, a couple of games against teams that that really matter. And I know we'll talk about that I get well, I don't know what else we can talk about about Seattle. <laughs> it really was to your point just a kind of game that I would say thank goodness I didn't buy a ticket for this game. You know, uh, uh Seattle's a beautiful city. It's a city I've not seen, so I wouldn't mind going some point, but yeah, it, it it was a it was it was a W they needed and you know, get a few goals and you know, put it to bed early on. So, uh did did like that as far as setting up. Now you got you got that trip ended too. I mean, that trip was a pain. It was one all that was done. I mean, they were already out there in December. So yep. it's not like that trip got cancelled or postponed when they were in Toronto. I mean, they flew, they played in Edmonton, they then went to Calgary, that game got postponed. They showed up in Vancouver on the Saturday, and that game got postponed. So, you know, that 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 was a grind for one game just before Christmas. So that that's good to get this piece of travel, you know, plunked in there, out of the way.
0: Yeah, it, it is. That was always something kind of hanging over the team, especially with with like you said the way the way things uh, the, the way the trip kind of got halted when they thought they were, were rolling out there uh, yeah that game against Seattle uh, it was what it was uh, here's what I can tell you about it uh, Mitch Marner he was tremendous Michael Bunting had two points uh, so did Austin Matthews that line was dominant in that game and against a team like Seattle uh, sometimes one line uh, it, it is enough uh, we'll, we'll switch gears now to, to uh, Thursday's game uh, just a little more exciting one uh, we were in the building so uh, we love 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 that but uh taking care of Business, a four one win against the Penguins. Uh that was just a really, really tidy effort. And the fact that the team can feel so good about their play, but Jack Campbell can feel like he had a ton of work and he stood on his head. It's it's very rare that you can kind of feel both of those things on a night, but that's what I think the takeaway is from the Penguins game.
1: Yeah, you know, being a fan of the Maple Leafs is uh is is like driving a golf cart. And they've mm. got that what, – what's that thing that kicks in when you're going too fast on the golf? Oh, court? like a
0: regulator, yeah. The
1: regulator type thing. I just, anyway, it's kind of like that. You go full bore, and then <laughs> that, that kind of kicks in to slow you down. And so uh, the Pittsburgh game, Leaf scored 20 seconds into the game. Loved it. Uh, Sidney Crosby is listed, you know, because the visiting team uh, sets their lineup first. And, and Sheldon Key puts Austin Matthews right against him. Love that. Love that. And Matthews scores 20 seconds in. And so it's it's a nice win against a really good Pittsburgh Penguin team. This has been a really good team. But, you know, Jack Campbell is phenomenal. So last night, you look at the St. Louis game and you kind of go, okay, are they not going to win any games as a team if they don't get phenomenal goaltending? You start going back to that again. Um, again, that that's not, I'm not saying that. That's inconclusive. It's just when you get, two games of like against really strong opponents like St. Louis and Pittsburgh, um, you, 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 you kind of half wonder that because Campbell, like Leafs controlled that game on Thursday, you know, we're talking about, but Pittsburgh, when they get their chances, they really get chances like Jeff Carter and others. Like they were, you know, there's a lot of skill up there. So, uh, so even though the Leafs, you know, time-wise dominated the, dominated the game and in so many facets, it, it became, unless Jack Campbell, you know, make some big saves. What might the score have been? Yeah, it, that, it was a really odd
0: game in in that regard. Because yeah, you you feel good about what the Leafs are doing for the most part, but then there are these ten bell saves that the Campbell has to make. And you know, I I do think. There have been different times in this year. You know, Marner coming coming off of, of COVID and the injury, or the Leafs' COVID shutdown and his injury, he needed to get going, and he did in a huge way. He he shot out like a cannon. And, you know, I think of Ilya Mikheyev early in the season when the guy couldn't buy a goal. Then he seemed like he'd never go a game without scoring them. And it felt like Campbell, it was almost, okay, it's your turn. It's your next up. You're the guy who who needs to get right. And, you know, I don't know, Maybe maybe the St. Louis game last night kind of knocks him back a peg in that regard, but it felt like the Pittsburgh game was, was perfect for that. Um, switching, switching gears to the St. Louis game last night, you know, we, we talked about it. There were a lot of similarities between the, the Pittsburgh game and the Blues game, except the Leafs were kind of playing the role of the Penguins uh, on Saturday night.
1: Well, weird one starting off, so now with the win last night, what St. Louis, I believe, has only lost one of their last 15 visits to. Toronto yep. lost one in regulation time. They only come to Toronto once a year. I wasn't uh, fully aware of that stat till we got it before the game. But uh, yeah, they've. Uh, I don't know if it's having so many Ontario guys there, and Petrangelo would have been one of them when he when he played there for so many years. But you know, we brought up the point that okay, you can't get a goal in the first twenty seconds of the game. As a matter of fact, on Thursday, that was the quickest goal, Austin Matthews, of the very many he scored for the Leafs had. And Blues get a two nothing lead. You know, good on the Leafs for coming back. And tying the game—that's not easy to do against a team like St. Louis. But St. Louis then very quickly just kind of a lackadaisical, lackadaisical reaction to that goal. Uh, the Leafs give give the, the Blues get the lead back real quick. And like any game, it's like when you're—we um, kid at even just playing our fun curling league. You know, you just get tired of chasing. When you're chasing, it's a different animal, and you're always chasing. And that—that's the way it felt last night. That the Leafs just were always chasing that game.
0: Sounds like we need to get you throwing skip stones. I know that you wouldn't be chasing if that if that was the case. I, I could just feel the uh, your your curling greatness
1: in my bones, uh, Gordo. But you're right. You well, you're don't want inaccurate. to. are not inaccurate. You're not inaccurate, Brent. Just so you know. Mm-hmm. Even though I play lowly lead, continue. But you have to take it up okay. with uh, okay, Lisa, or else on Mondays, uh, Joseph Richardson. Okay. Well,
0: okay. Uh,
1: hey, if any if anybody wants <laughs> to give me a call, I would gladly
0: I would gladly uh, fight for for your right to throw uh, last rocks. But uh, but in terms of the Leafs, yeah, that that's exactly it. You don't want to chase the game. And the thing with this team that we've seen in the past, not this year, is they've almost said we'd actually rather chase the game. We'd rather fall behind. We'd rather have a a slow start and then try to find things. And that hasn't been the case this year. You know, I, I made the point last night that this is a... This team playing that version of that game last night—it doesn't look that good—and that's kind of the strides that this team has made. There, look, St. Louis is a heavy team. You're not going to go 82 and 0 on the season, but I think there were a few things to kind of pick out last night that you say you want to clean that up by the time the playoffs comes. It's not to, you know, I think I think the problem is is that there's so much overreaction in this market that sometimes people kind of want want underreaction that not every single game has to be a referendum on what this team is, and can they get it done in the playoffs? But you have a couple games in a row like that against a Pittsburgh team where Campbell had to be great, and then it looks like it did last night against the Blues. It's just these are things that the coaching staff will sit there and point out and say that's what you need to tighten up. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you a 6-3 loss is a good thing, but I think that it gives Sheldon Keefe and the rest of the coaching staff all the evidence and ammo he needs to kind of, if, if he feels it's necessary, kind of tighten the screws a little bit.
1: And I think on St. Louis's side, just what I I talked about, we were looking last night. Sixteen of the teams only play one game in what used to be Air Canada Centre, now Scotiabank Arena. And uh, you know, it's the first year you and I have been doing the show together. So whether you know it, it was Nick Alberga before or whomever, you, you looked at the crowd of friends and family that would gather in a certain area uh, in in the Golds, just kind of where the visiting team's dressing room was located, and. We'd always say, "Wow, there's not a lot of people there tonight." Versus, like, "Wow, there's a ton of people and a lot of Saint, like, a lot of friends and family for the Saint Louis Blues." And and you know, th- this is with Petrangelo now gone, but you know, you got Jordan Binnington onwards, even though he didn't play last night. And so I I, I think you know I I know from my brief time working with the New York Rangers, like how big it is to come to Toronto or where, if it's your, if it's your home area. And they also played in Montreal the other night, and uh, yeah, that, that wasn't a good loss for them. You don't, you don't want to be someone that Marty St. Louis gets his first win against. They had that game won, and uh, they got tied late, and they lost in overtime. So I think in their ways, I don't know if a statement game was that strong, but there was a little more oomph for this road game compared to uh, the other 40.
0: Well, yeah, and I I think the other thing about it, too, is that with a team like the Blues, much like the Leafs, see a tough defensive team and say, well, with all the firepower we have, if we can get it done against this group, that's a statement. And I think with a group that prides itself on system and, you know, when your best player is Ryan O'Reilly, you know exactly what type of team you're going to be. They look at the Leafs, and that is not just because it's in Toronto, but because Austin Matthews, because Mitch Marner, because William Nylander, because John Tavares, that's a game that's kind of circled all- already. And, yeah, you know, you mentioned you mentioned all the people ha- hanging out there by the Blues dressing room. Uh Yeah, that's uh, that that's a very, very common sight to see. And, uh, man, it, it never fails. It does help when half the team is from Toronto or from Ontario, but it never seems to fail. Uh, I don't know how many games we go at Scotiabank Arena where an opposing player from Toronto doesn't score because it feels like every single night. You, you mentioned it though. It's it's their only one chance. You know, it's one thing if you're if you're playing for Detroit and you roll in here. One, you're only four hours down the road. But two, you do it two three times a year. For for the Blues, it's just special. And yeah, you could you could definitely feel that last night.
1: Well absolutely absolutely and 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 again like you know we're kind of doing we kiddingly called it that we're taking the walk to the subway back when you go after the game and you kind of things bounce off you your immediate reaction my real positive was William Nylander like it's funny because uh he had a brain cramp on the too many men on the ice panel the Leafs took and yep. there was a drop pass giveaway but the two goals but also beyond that the great offensive play he made that almost led to another goal you know and and yep. and, and my point being that as well as the great team play you're going to need in the playoffs, you need different stars to come through you know, at different times. And actually, Nylander was, of their big players, the one who played the best against the Montreal Canadiens. So in a game that didn't end up you know, in, the Leafs, in the Leafs' favor, uh, it, was, it was nice to see uh, that kind of play from William Nylander. Yeah, Nylander and Kerfoot were, were great in that Canadian series when,
0: when Tavares went down. You know, I think I think it's funny. We were kind of pointing it out last night that it's weird that Nylander has the two goals and you're not, not a knock on him. You score two goals, I'll, I'll pretty much write you carte blanche to do anything else in that game, and you're probably going to have made up for it with the two goals, but it was just, it was weird. He, he was making great offensive plays, but right right at the end when they got the goalie pulled, it just felt like that was, the, that was the one trio that just couldn't really get anything going. And, you know, again, they, they scored two goals last night. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that it was a bad offensive night from the Tavares, Nylander, and Kerfoot line, but it just, it doesn't feel like they're quite kind of clicking to their ceiling right now. And you hope that the two-goal night can kind of uh, pull that entire line out of it a bit.
1: Well, yeah, but, I mean, they got the goals, so it's... Uh, well, exactly. That's, I, that's, I that's what... why I
0: feel weird saying it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the couple of goals from a line on an off night, but it, was, uh, it wasn't the same as Thursday. We really saw two very different games, and um, one thing that showed, although the crowd did get going when the Leafs tied it last night with the building half-filled... And I think last night was left less, less than half filled, but you know that's another matter. I mean, I I, I more give Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment credit for, uh, you know. A, a tough way to try to get going again and not forcing season ticket holders to uh, kind of scramble and get their things together. I don't know how many people are, are aware tickets are on public sale or not, but they are for one more game against the Minnesota Wild. For those that, uh, uh, I'm not out here shilling, but just for those that always want to buy tickets and haven't had any luck, uh, they were available these games, and there's one more before the following week when it's full house again. So point being is uh, Thursday, uh, the, the um, half crowd, half-filled crowd got into it quite a bit it was quite an exciting game to see and then last night to the point where once you tied it 2-2 they got in and then 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 you're chasing it and then you didn't have the crowd in the game and you know half half a half filled is better than nobody as far as uh, as far as home ice advantage and the Leafs have been playing to nobody what for about you know five or six home games before that
0: Yeah, and uh, they will be at full capacity for the game on March 2nd. That's at home against the Sabres. But as you mentioned uh, before that, there's still one more at home with half capacity. Uh, That's a game on Thursday against the Wild. Now, if memory serves me correct, the last game, the Leafs played against the Wild. There was a little dust up. I believe Marcus Foligno, like, shouldered Jack Campbell in the head as he was cutting across. This was right before the Jets game. Uh, So there was just a lot of emotion kind of flying around. Uh, Always, always fun when, you know, it's funny. We, we talk about St. Louis and their trip. It's going to be the exact same thing for Minnesota. You know, off the top of my head, I don't know that they quite have the, uh, the Canadian contingent, but that's another one of those teams who you, you see them once a year. They're in town once a year. And, you know, for, if you're, if you're some, like a guy, you know, a guy like uh, Kaprizov, right? We, we think about him when the Wild are here, and it'll be nice to kind of have him front of mind uh, when, when the Leafs get the Wild uh, next week.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, that's the only game against strong opposition because they've got Montreal, Columbus on Monday, Tuesday. They'll have Detroit on Saturday. That actually was a game that was supposed to be a home game, but they, they flipped. It's in Detroit, so they'll play here later on when you are allowed 100% capacity. So, and that that's why, you know, the Minnesota Wild. I remember Mike Babcock said that. That's a good team to play against, To be a playoff test, and, and I, I'm liking seeing that more and more. I know we've got a long way to go. We're, what, 60% of the season down, 40% to go, but it's I, because it's such a have-and-have-not year, Brent, that uh, when they uh, – the, the, the playoff, the surefire playoff teams are the, one, are the ones that I'm keener to see how they've played against, and that's why, quite frankly, of the last three, disappointing against St. Louis, disappointing against Calgary, but a positive Thursday against Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, a uh, very, very positive. Uh, well, one last thing I want to get to before we, uh, we take a little break here. You brought it up on the pregame show. Uh, then I brought up a different name for a different award. Uh, Austin Matthews for Hart Trophy. I don't want to sit here and be be the homer, but I, I don't know what, like, I can understand cases for other players, but if you're asking me to make a case for a guy, it, it's Matthews. He's the best goal scorer in the league, plays a 200-foot game. He's as big as an ox. Like, I, I don't know what more you
1: want in your MVP. Yeah, you know, because it's been kind of a fun question, and I realize you're not going to get many opportunities because it seems like the Hart Trophy, um, you know, should be Connor McDavid's for many, many years. Uh, um, That's not a that's not a slight against anybody else out there, but because of Edmonton's season, uh, he's not the guy right now. It's starting to change. He certainly is in the mix. Two weeks from now, he could be putting a stamp on it. And once again, Connor McDavid is the cinch pick. But, you know, uh, I know a lot of people, there's people that go uh, advocate for someone like Igor Shosturkin. He wouldn't be my guy. And I I never like picking goaltenders anyway. They've got their awards. But uh, Jonathan Huberto, early on from the Florida Panthers, would have been the guy I gave the nod to. I mean, there's so many guys playing well for Florida. But early on, he's the one that really caught my eye. But, yeah, I, I flat out uh austin matthews and nathan mckinnon are the you know the other guys in, to me in that stratosphere with with uh mckinnon right now and Drysidle and uh, uh austin matthews right now after 48 games or whatever it is is my guy and i guess i can't as you say we can't say we're not biased i am trying to be objective looking at it but you know when you're talking about a, a player and and the heart trophy boy oh boy that's something the leafs I think it won like 1940s or something. I don't know, way, 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 way back when. Anyway, that's pretty heady stuff and well deserved. Yeah, no, no, it is, and I'll, I'll
0: throw one other accolade uh, Austin Matthews way. Uh, he's dodged like two concussions in the last couple of weeks. I remember the knee to the back of the head uh, against the Hurricanes, and then man, I, uh, I, I don't want to know what the chicklets are, are looking like for for Matthews after running into the crossbar. I feel like we kind of skidded past that when we were talking about the week that was here in Leafsland. Uh, all good, he's healthy. He was in the lineup last night. He was playing, but man, that was a a, a scary and and quite frankly a weird scene. See Austin. Matthew skate into the crossbar like that. Can't remember the last time I saw that.
1: Oh, geez. And, and you know, part of it was I. I think he. I he so was focused on being matched up against Sidney Crosby that Crosby was going behind the net. And when you're Sidney Crosby, there's no area that's not dangerous. And um and maybe he was shielded where Jack Campbell was because you and I are going what what happened there and he went <laughs> right to the dressing room not to the bench and you're thinking oh my god when you saw it don't tell me he broke his jaw or you know, something because he just you know he flat out you know, it's, it's kind of like when your kid's overzealous playing house league hockey at a certain young age and kind of, <laughs> you know, skates into whatever it may be. And yeah, he returned for the last shift, which was probably, probably the best piece of visual news for the week.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely the best piece of, of, of visual news was seeing him come back. Uh, yeah, and I'm not looking forward. I, I got a few years before I got to uh, grit my teeth through those House League games, but I, I know, I know they're coming. Uh, two Leafs have won the Hart Memorial Trophy. Uh, Teeter Kennedy in 54-55 and good old Babe Pratt. In 43-44. So anytime you can be the first guy to do something in, oh, I don't know, 80, 90 years, or I guess it'd be oh 70, 80 years. That's not bad. That's not bad uh, if Matthews uh, can get it done. Of course, uh, you know, another guy was thrown out there. Uh, Sheldon Keefe, I, I I, can I can make the case for him winning coach of the year. I know there are about 10 guys you can make that argument for. Uh, of course, the last mm. Leafs coach to, to do so was Pat Burns, and he was a, a special guy in this market. What do you, what do you think about Keefe uh, for coach of the year?
1: Okay, so Austin Matthews would be the heart, heart, first hard Trophy winner in 67 years. How about Look that at, number? Oh, whoa, Which mirrors, oh, yes. How about Gordo. that? Uh, yeah, that number. Gordo. And uh, Sheldon Keith certainly up there. Uh, I uh, right now my vote would go for Mike Sullivan, uh, but Sheldon Keith would be up there. Obviously, interesting in Florida that you know Andrew Burnett, who who would expect that Joel Quenville wouldn't be coaching, yeah, would be there, but but actually. Um, No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. My vote would go for Mike Sullivan. That's my second vote. My number one vote goes for Daryl Sutter. Okay. but, But that's pretty heady company that Sheldon Keefe is in. No, and I think it's
0: that's always the interesting conversation, right? Keefe has been here; he is, he nothing has changed really. There's been changes to the lineup for him, but it's always you know what's the harder thing to do—kind of keep building something you've been building, or can you go out there and completely turn things around, uh, like you saw with uh, with a guy like Sutter in Calgary? You know Sullivan—he's more of the uh, the Sheldon Keefe mold, although he's he's definitely had some more injury concerns uh, throwing his way. Uh, Leafs. Busy week coming up, Gordo. We knew this would be a busy month. Uh, Month of February is almost over, but the Leafs got four games coming up this week. We gave you a little preview of them. We'll dive in a little more, take a look around the NHL as well. And I got to give a shout out to a few former Leafs who are now Olympic champions. All that and more when the Leafs this week continues on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Uh Hello, hello! It's the Leafs this week. Brent Gunning Gord Stellick alongside me, walking you through the week that was, setting up the week that will be in Leafsland. And Gordo, we were all we were all ready to break down the games. You know, a little little less excited to break down the six three loss to the Blues, and then a gift a gift from the heavens, a Maple Leafs trade. Look, I, I love any trade. You throw me a Leafs trade, uh, and I get I, I love, love, love to break it down. Uh, let me throw it out to you if you missed it. Ryan Dezingle, Ilya Labushkin coming from the Coyotes in exchange for Nick Ritchie and the Coyotes' choice of either the third round selection in 23 or a second round selection in 25. Uh, Gord, I'm with you. I don't see why the Coyotes uh, don't, don't think that thing's getting turned around immediately, so I would take the better pick if I had to wait a couple of years, but uh we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, how does Labushkin uh, set in, and you know what's the biggest takeaway? Is it moving Richie's money, or is it acquiring Dzingel and Labushkin?
1: Well, in, in the in the in the the immediate picture, it's it's filling a need. It's filling a need in needing a right-handed shot defenseman, someone who appears to be competent, to be a core four player. Uh, Labushkin, everyone plays in anonymity in Arizona, basically. And, of course, Jacob uh, Jacob Chikorin was the one that's the bigger fish out there that will be traded, but Labushkin played uh, most of the season with him, has been paired with him, and uh, one goal in 100 games, 180 NHL games. So he is a stay-at-home defenseman. And and I mentioned, for those that aren't familiar, he's going to turn 28 uh, in April. So he's one of those that came over like... Uh, Mikheyev did, which is a positive story, but which, like Zaitsev and Osaganov, for example, which didn't work out so well. And who was the other guy? Who was the Finnish Bobby Orr again? Anyway, I'm oh, Miko Lettinen. Yeah, he just Mikko won gold Le- last night. Okay, well, there we go. We'll give him a little tip of the hat. But those kind of <laughs> players that unfortunately didn't work out. So those are those are those are those diamonds in the rough, you hope. Did and this he did work out for Arizona, so uh, they're not on the ice today. He and he and Dezingle wouldn't have expected they're just getting tweeting that out from Leaf practice. But that's the biggest thing. Nick Ritchie's coming over, um, uh, excuse me, uh, Ryan Dezingle's coming over. That's just to make the salaries work. Hey, good on Nick Ritchie or, or hope for Nick Ritchie. he can uh salvage his career in Arizona. He's got another year after this at 2.5 million, which is about right in the Coyotes payroll. They need some players to play, he's going to get a chance to play. And and maybe it'll work out there which didn't work out here. So big picture. Richie didn't work out. His salary became a problem when you're hard pressed against the cap. So they've used that. It's cost them a draft pick as well, probably a second round pick down the road. So the key is what does can Labushkin give you defensive depth and abilities that get you at least through, at least through one playoff round.
0: please 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 I I know this is a little maybe I don't know maybe this is too much to ask for but when I think of a right shot defenseman who makes sure bad things don't happen doesn't necessarily make a ton of good happen in his own regard and played in this market I think of Roman Polak and if this guy Labushkin can come in and I, I again Polak had a very long successful NHL career Labushkin is still figuring out his but if he can come in and give you something along the lines a what Pollock gave you, just that physical body. I, again, Jake Muzzin's supposed to be the kind of physical presence on this blue line, and not that he's some wallflower now, but he's not quite the same guy he was when he first came to Toronto. And if you can just have a guy in the mix on the blue line who can step into guys, who can hammer guys, uh, it feels like Labushkin can kind of fill that role, and I can I can see a world where he quickly becomes, maybe fan favorite is a strong term, but uh, a, a beloved member of Leafs Nation.
1: Yeah, they're not saying soup, they're saying boosh. I don't know. I don't know if <laughs> come to that but uh uh it it uh I I, I use Zach Bogosian as another comparable because yep. I agree with you about Roman Polak just about you know that kind of that kind of role and and you know even when St. Louis won the Stanley Cup ex Leave Cal Gunnerson, you know he played right. he uh he wasn't a frontline guy I mean I'm hoping more out of uh Labushkin than that but just you know different guys that played different roles and and we we talked about it last half hour no need to make a big splash. Nick Felino last year was a big splash, and we all applauded that. It, the, the big splash was what uh, was felt was needed. But uh, in this case, uh, up front, uh, those other signings, Camp and Kasha, and particularly Bunting, have all done what Nick Felino wasn't able to do. So they've gone out at reasonable rates and, and you know, hit three for four in signing their forwards.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned Michael Bunting there. Of course, he came from from the Coyotes as well. And, you know, everybody, the, the scouting report on on Michael Bunting was out there. This is a guy who's a pest. But the first kind of NHL person, entity, I remember really pumping the tires was Paul Bissonnette. He was saying, you're going to love this guy, Toronto. You're going to love this guy, Toronto. I'll speak for myself. Uh, you were right, uh, Paul Bissonnette. And here is his scouting report on uh, the newest Leaf, Ilya Labushkin. You're gonna love the Russian Bear, Leafs Nation. Maybe as much as Bunting. So if if we love him as much as Bunting, we'll be over the moon. But uh, Paul Bissonnette thinks everyone will be happy with him here in Toronto.
1: Boy, yeah, Bunting. That's uh, and, and course, a high praise. And, and Bissonnette knows that organization quite well. So I, uh, I I value that opinion. And obviously Kyle Dubas would be looking for those kind of opinions from his pro scouts. And uh, I mean, this is what they scout all the time for for these few little moves to make and, and let's hope because uh, then all of a sudden it allows everyone else to slot. Again, they got to stay healthy that yep. that's, uh, but then it allows others to slot more where they belong rather than elevating. It's always a problem, particularly with D when you've got, you know, someone who's a six and he's got to play in the top four, you know, yep. and, or someone that's a four that's got to play in the top two. And it, it it's, it's a trickle trickle down effect in a negative way. Whereas all of a sudden you get someone that slots in And I mean, Labushkin's got to be a top four D and then others can, you know, slot and be out of harm's way a little bit more or or the coach can deploy them out of harm's way, uh, hopefully a little bit more.
0: Yeah, you you have to think he he's going to get a look uh, with Jake Buzzin. They got plenty of options there. Uh, we know we know what Jake Musin and Justin Hall look like uh, this year. Timothy lilligren has got a little run there. I I think Labushkin is definitely going to get a look there. And I also think this is probably the end for this season of Rasmus Sandin uh, playing playing on the right side with Jake Buzzin. But we'll we'll see. Uh, as our producer so wonderfully put it last night, Sheldon Keith just opening the fridge eight eight nine times. It's all the same ingredients in there, but maybe this time you'll find. Uh, you'll find the uh, the right the right mix. Uh looking at this week's games, uh we'll we'll kind of fly through and we touched on them a little earlier. Uh tomorrow in Montreal, look, anytime Leafs Canadians in Montreal, uh, it, it's special, but it's a little less special uh with the way Montreal's season's been going. But uh Marty St. Louis, oh. uh it'll be interesting to see uh, what he's concocting there.
1: Well, no fans either still, right? I mean, oh, that's, that's right. I'm that's
0: so used to what we have going on. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I yeah, Quebec's still a little bit uh, behind in opening things up, and this is, you know, I mean, this is the place. If you're an NHL fan or a Leaf fan, whatever, you got to try to get to the Bell Center at some point. But yeah, so you're at Montreal, and uh, hopefully, it's a respectable close game, uh, and and see then then at Columbus on Tuesday. And, you know, they're, they're a team that's intriguing about what kind of sellers are they going to be because early on in the season, they looked like they were competing in the Metropolitan Division and now not the case. So, you know, you're, you're, you're really playing two of the doormats right now. And, again, it's, it's, it's just a have and have not rest of the way for the final 35 games. So you start with a couple of have nots before you welcome, for the final time, just half filled a have in the Minnesota Wild on Thursday.
0: Yeah, the Wild are our, our big, heavy team. Uh, you know there there will be some memories about uh, about that shot that uh, Felino threw through Campbell's way. I'm sure. Not that I think it'll be any big thing made of it, but uh, the way Wayne Simmons was running around uh, last night, I could see him running around again like that on Thursday. I should mention to you, uh, we will have the Tuesday game right here for you on Sportsnet 590, the Fan. Of course, uh, we we always, always, always have a post game pod for you uh, wherever it is you find your pods once the game uh, is over. Yeah, that that Minnesota game is is the jewel of the week, you know, I think both of us are pretty high on what Detroit is building. Uh, the, the Leafs are in Detroit on Saturday. I uh, love what the Wings are building. They're not quite there yet. Uh, the Wild, definitely the toughest test, but, you know, I think I think uh, looking ahead to that that game in, in Detroit on Saturday, you know, that, that Wings team can push you. That's a group that you are more talented than, but you cannot take lightly because you know, we remember back to what this Leafs team looked like when they were young and precocious and had more skill than maybe they realized and, and all of that, and that's kind of where the
1: Team is at now. Yeah, let's move ahead to that game because that will be a game on the fans. So we look forward to the, the broadcast. But okay, Montreal, it was supposed to be a five team race in the Atlanta division. Most of us prognosticated, and Montreal dropped out from the word go. So it's been four teams. But I do wonder the way the Red Wings are playing of late that. Especially the Boston Bruins right now, who are in fourth. Can the Red Wings possibly make a little bit of a push and make things a little bit more interesting in the Atlantic Division? Um, they've been giving signs of that of late. Uh, right now, not projected to be in the playoffs, so it's not going to be a disappointment by any stretch if they fall short. But uh, I, I wonder. I, I'd be nice. I'd, I'd like to see a fifth team get in there, and uh, and and it's the young talent, so you got to be thrilled if you're the Red Wings. But then you also wonder. You know, what do they do on trade deadline? Do they lose? Uh, do they, they trade for some futures so that would hurt them this year or last year? I mean, Steve Eiserman flat out made a hockey trade. That Anthony Mantha trade was a hockey trade. That was yep. not a trade deadline deal. Does he, does he have another real hockey trade that he's looking to make as well?
0: Yeah, the the Anthony Mantha for Jacob Verana, if I'm remembering correctly, with with Washington, that was a weird one. That just kind of came out of nowhere. You know, we know Mantha hadn't quite clicked uh, the the way he wanted to uh, w- with the Wings when they got going. But yeah, that was a that was an odd one. I'm just kind of pulling up their their cap sheet here. You know, they they have some bodies uh, that are that are uh, pending Ufas: Danny DeKaiser, Nick Letty, uh, Mark Stahl. I know that's a little further down the depth chart. Troy Stetcher, uh Vladimir Nemeshnikov. They they have got a lot a lot of bodies that are uh, that are available for you Thomas Grice, I know he's not their guy there they're rolling with the, the Delkovich there but uh man they are, have a ton of choices to make and you know for a guy like Steve Eiserman I do think part of that is the interesting question of how much do you want to give your young players a chance to try to make a playoff push? You know, you brought it up the other night. We think about how important it was for that Leafs team to make the playoffs that year when they clinched it against Pittsburgh with Bowen's great call, a holy Mackinac, holy McElhaney. You know, it mattered that the team got in. I know it hasn't proven that it mattered, but I do think it did. And I think that's the kind of question for Iserman is how much of a shot do you want to give this team with all of those pending UFAs?
1: Yeah, I I would think they're one year away from that, and they still – Richard Ponick, Jacob Varana, and they have – um, a Let's see, they had a first-round pick last year. They have a second-round pick from that as well yep. this year. I think they used the first-round pick flipped up and picked the top goaltender uh, last year with that pick uh, in junior hockey. So uh, I, I would say one more year. I, I would think one more year. I think the Red Wing fans have sat back and enjoyed it getting together. But uh, um, as Buffalo Sabre fans found, okay, when you do the rebuild, let's keep adding bricks in the proper direction. Don't say we've got to take – Uh, we've got to take a bulldozer again and start all over. And certainly the Red Wings appear to be doing what, unfortunately, the Sabres were unsuccessful.
0: Yeah, and um maybe and you know, not to say this is entirely the Sabres' fault, but maybe don't have uh, the cornerstone of your franchise have a fractured relationship with him before the guy turns 22. That would be a uh, great way to go about things uh, in Detroit as well cuz man, uh the the way the way Eichel's situation folded out in Buffalo, it just it, it was a big kind of fork in the road moment for the organization and it it's pushed them back a couple of years. They're they're beyond it now, but it's it definitely uh hampered them. Uh one thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here kind of looking elsewhere in the NHL. The two hottest teams in the NHL, they're both in Alberta. You mentioned Sutter for Coach of the Year. How can you not love what he's doing? But look out, uh, also the Oilers. They've now won five straight.
1: Make it Well, the Pacific Division is great. I wish more of the divisions were having that kind of race that all of a sudden the California teams have gotten a little cooler, except for the Kings and the Alberta teams now, you know, full on. So this this race is going to go down to the wire and maybe a Central Division team like Winnipeg will try to vie to get a better record than the fourth place team in the Pacific Division. So, and you know we talk about it the other direction. Nashville going that other direction. You know that uh, that Winnipeg's trying to chase them, and Nashville is one of those teams. Unlike Detroit, they they cannot not make the playoffs. So uh, that is a couple of teams going up and down. And uh, I know as well. You want we want to we want to touch on a few Marley things, and you also wanted to. Um, one of the more malign Leafs, unfortunately, he always, did. at least, and unfairly, too, but uh, I but I was among the maligners, but uh, good on some former Leafs getting medals.
0: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll throw it out there. I already mentioned the Finnish Bobby Orr. Uh, we have the Canadian Bobby Orr, Bobby Orr. We have uh, the now Bobby Orr, Morgan Riley after his goal against Pittsburgh, but the Finnish Bobby Orr, Miko Lettning grabbing a, uh, a gold medal with Finland, uh, but I'm burying the lead a little bit there. The other Finn. A very beloved in these parts. Uncle Leo, Leo Komarov, didn't work out with the Islanders this year. Uh, A gold medal at the Olympics, as good a consolation prize as any. And then the guy you mentioned, we all maligned him. Uh, Unfairly or not, we all did it. Uh, But as Mike Babcock said, he's a good man with a long stick. Marty Marincin uh, winning bronze with Slovakia, their first ever Olympic medal. Uh, Look, all those guys would love to be playing and, and mattering in the NHL right now. That's as good a consolation prize as you could possibly ask for.
1: Yeah. And we'll, you know, talk about, you know, some Toronto Marley things and Josh Ho saying, again on an American hockey league contract, it's, it, it, he's really seemed to be mentally in tune with the opportunity been provided by him. Uh, I don't know where anything may go or not from there, but it's disappointing for Canada and USA, but still we, uh, we, we salute those that went over and played under, under really difficult and kind of hurry up uh, last minute circumstances.
0: Yeah, it it was. Hosang, uh, part of that group, obviously, you know, they wanted better than to get bounced in the quarterfinals. I wanted better, too. Uh, I will will give a shout-out to a guy uh, who never left the Marlies, Nick Robertson. The comeback trail continues. Uh, His third goal since coming back, scored the other day. Uh, Gordo, I know you and I, I I just, I want this guy to get his crack with the Leafs because it felt like he was right there, and then the injury bug just bit him in a big way.
1: No, this this could be huge. I mean, huge for the young man, and here are his brothers kicking butt in Dallas. But, you know, he really showed uh, legitimate goal-scoring skill, offensive ability, and this would be huge. And, again, cap-wise in the cap world, we know uh, he'd be making entry-level or close to it money as well. So, you know, good on him and hopefully hopefully a healthy run after really a, a string of bad luck.
0: Yeah, that's right. And uh, as we said, we will gladly sign up for the Jason Robertson run. Uh, Whenever it wants to start, uh, we will gladly do that. Uh, We will be back when the Leafs visit Montreal tomorrow. We'll have a post-game pod for you there. The Leafs are in Columbus on Tuesday. We'll have that game for you right here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. But, of course, the big news, the Labushkin trade. Yes, he's a member of the Leafs. Gordo, always fun on the Leafs this week. Most importantly, thank you for listening.